Today on the pod, Hunter talks about his friends. I have a friend who writes and covers college football recruiting. We figure out what goes on in Josh's head. I always think of Acts chapter 15. And then we discuss the perfect church service. So So. animal mascot heads in worship is what we're looking for here, right? Before we get into that, a quick word from the people who help make this podcast possible, Auxilio Partners. This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, providing the business management and technology expertise that your church needs. Find out more at auxilio.partners slash five points. Reed, what are we doing today? Today, guys, we are going to go through a rapid-fire list together. So we have here a topic, four things to save you from heartache as an early church planter. So we've brainstormed, we've come up with four things that early church planters need to know that you guys have learned from experience. We're going to roll through those things together. Sounds good. Yeah, let's get it. All right, getting us started. Number four, Josh, what do you have? Uh, yes, I have what they call the, the blessed subtraction. At least that's what uh, a couple of guys that I've talked with through the years have actually referred to it as. You know, I, in the early days of church planning, there's all kinds of anxiousness. Uh, mine was a, a kind of a parachute plant, and so we we had we had a very we did have a very minimal, if if nothing, we had one family that we knew of here at the time when we moved here. Um, and so when you're when you're starting a church plant, you just you're you're kind of anxious to 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 just gather people and you feel the anxious of anxiousness of needing to do that. And, you know, vision alignment's important. You understand that you, you think through that, you work hard on your vision and mission kind of dynamics and how you're kind of working out the sales pitch. But, you know, along the way you find yourselves trying to kind of hold people and invite people in and, and, and kind of uh, earn their kind of allegiance, if you will, to vision and, and vision alignment. But, just going to tell you somewhere along the way you get down the road and it's just individuals who are just constantly pushing back, pushing from different directions. And you find yourself spinning your wheels along the way, um, just trying to get them to buy in, trying to kind of understand where they're coming from, hear them, give them a voice in the process, give them ownership. And look, the hardest thing sometimes to do when you put that kind of energy in, maybe relational energy in and those kind of things is look up and just realize, hey, we, we might not be the fit for you. Um, it, it, that doesn't mean that we don't actually believe we're the only true church anyway. Uh, you know, on one level, on the other level, it, you know, sometimes um, just fundamental difference in approach and vision and direction is just a, a foregone conclusion of the way we do things. I always think of Acts chapter 15 and Paul and Barnabas's division over whether to take Mark uh, with them or, or not to take them with them, you know, on their next missionary journey. And just reminded of the conflict they faced in the midst of that, but the necessity of them to split. And then again, at the end of Timothy's um, ministry, him, him looking up and saying, hey, can you bring Mark with you? He's useful for me in ministry. There's just some seasons where there needs to be some separation. 
and uh, learning how to have the wisdom to say to someone, hey, look, I just don't think we're moving in the right direction. I think you're going to be better served somewhere else. Have that conversation lovingly instead of waiting to till it gets to a place of real conflict uh, is really important. I think sometimes we try so hard to to save face or to encourage people or hold on to people because we're terrified we're never going to have enough to get to critical mass that we, we we go too far down the road and get ourselves in, in trouble. So that, to me, that kind of blessed subtraction is a, an important deal. Do you, I mean, you, did you remember some of that in the, you know, when we were working through the plant hunter uh, at Madison Heights, a lot of those folks kind of the similar dynamic? Sure. You know, I was coming from Madison Heights as an assistant pastor and we had somebody that just, I, vision and mission wasn't aligning. And I went to a seasoned pastor, an older pastor, and just to get his advice on it. And he said, you know, Hunter, if you were the pastor of an established church that had your own elders and the church had been around for some time, I would encourage you to step into that person and minister to them and disciple them and see how far down the road that you could, you could get with them. But he said, in, in a church plant, it's an infant and you're the parent and you're protecting that infant because ultimately you want the church to survive. You want the church to make it. You don't have your own elders that are there with you every step of the way. And so he said, it's just different. You have to look at it differently and you have to treat it differently. And so, yeah, I mean, you're the, 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 the addition by subtraction. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it per se, but yeah, that's you're getting at it with what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. And, it, and it, sometimes it can feel heartless, right? Like you, yeah. like when, especially when you say the blessed subtraction or sure, you, you yeah. know, growth, growth by subtraction, it sounds like, you, you know, I'll cast somebody off if it means I can grow, but that, you know, I, you know, we've had, I've had a couple of cases here since we started the church where I had a, a good conversation. I sat down, I walked through some of their conflicts and where we are and just said, look, that's not somewhere where I really feel like long-term we're going. It's not the DNA of who we are, but but I, I just want you to know, I love you. I appreciate who you are. And I just, I feel like you're going to be better served. And, and I even knew a couple of churches to recommend uh, them to a couple of places to go. And, and in a couple of cases that, that ended up really well, some were more difficult and, you know, yeah, no doubt, right. but in a couple of cases, they've actually recommended people to our church. Uh, even though they ended up not being a good fit for us, they've met some folks that would be good fits and they've, uh, referred them over to us. So doing that sooner rather than later, waiting for the conflict to arise is important. Um, said that there could be some good long-term relationship there. Uh, I think it's really important. All right. Keeping it going Four things to save you from heartache, the early years of church planting number three hunter. All right, Reed. So number three is the five-star elder. This is keeping an eye on potential elders in your core group. I think this is really significant for church plants, church planners. I have a friend who writes and covers college football recruiting, and I hear him talk regularly about assistant coaches looking for those five-star players, even beginning all the way back in their freshman year. And I think it's important that you begin to examine the men who are a part of your core group. Again, in the PCA, um, only men can serve as ruling elders. And you don't want to look up in three years, four years, and five years and try to figure out, hey, who in this group is a potential elder that can serve our church well? I think from day one, you want to, be, you want to think about who understands the mission who understands the vision? Who can help hold me accountable? Men that 
I want to pray with, I want to spend time with, men that I want to uh, serve Christ together with. I think you want to begin looking through that framework and trying to identify possibly who the future ruling elders of the church are. Again, it, it's a process that involves in our denomination other elders from other churches that will examine and will help bring about these elders from within your own core group. So it's not like uh, you can hand pick them, but I do think it's important, Josh, that from the, from the outset that you begin to try to in, identify those, those men that will uh, be the band of brothers that you, that you go forth with once your church plant becomes an official church. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you think about it, the elders that will be, you know, in our, at least in our um, neck of the woods, uh, the elders that are generally identified, nominated, and go through the process of preparation and election um, are, are generally guys that have a, you know, have, have been seen by the congregation as being, you know, invested and involved. And, and a lot of that investment and involvement in the congregation has to do with our investment and involvement with them from the early days. And, you know, one of the things that, I did this go around uh, here in, in Lafayette was um, from the very first days, I just said, I am going to, I'm going to pursue growth. I'm going to do all the things I got to do from day one. They almost identify guys that just have real leadership, what seem to be real leadership gifts. And I want to pour into them while I'm pouring into the rest of the church. And uh, that has served us really well. Um, we particularized this past year, which is in our denominational setting uh, was we kind of became an official church. Um, this past year, and that was because we installed elders over our uh, church, and, and that, that first group of elders that were installed were really just a dynamic group of guys that have just really served us well, um, but we have, we just, we just, we took off, you know, to work when they got, when they rolled on, because um, we had been working together for some time now, you know, we'd already been laboring together, walking through things together, growing spiritually together, and man, that was so important, this go around. Yeah, so I'm already looking at husbands and their wives because I feel like the Lord calls both of them to see how do they, you know, how do they shepherd people? How do they minister pe to people? How do they, you know, care for people? Do they have a spirit of evangelism? And again, I can't handpick them. The church nominates them and then they will come before the borrowed elders. That means elders from other church or other churches that help lead the church plant until you become official. But when, when it gets down to who's going to go through training, I, I want to know them well. I want to have been thinking about them and even praying for them over the past several years so that, um, so that it's, there's preparation on my end for who's going to become that first session and who's going to walk alongside me. Yeah, I mean, a huge example for, for us was when you talk about looking at the husbands and the wives, you know, our, one of our current, you know, elders, uh, his wife, you know, on one Sunday, just a great example of how the, you know, the teamwork dynamic showed up on Sunday. Uh, the, it was actually the Sunday after LSU beat Alabama uh, in the national <laughs> championship. And I closed, my, I closed my eyes to say the opening prayer and, and I opened my eyes from the opening prayer and she had a ginormous LSU Tigers head on her head, uh, a helmet she had put on her uh, shoulders and it was the huge Tiger head. 
And I just knew that that was the quality kind of elder's wife I was looking for <laughs> in the church. She's kind of the card of the church, but it yeah. was, but it's been funny because she is kind of the, you know, there is a sense in which there is this relationship they have with the whole body right. uh, that's, that's rich and good and um, that uh, everybody knows who they are. They've been investing from day one and that's important. So, so animal mascot heads in worship is what we're looking for here, right? You know, not so much. I had to rebuke her for it, just to be <laughs> honest, uh, mainly because I'm an Alabama fan and that just offended. Right me but yeah. Uh, yeah anyway moving on so moving on number two back to you josh number two of the things to save a young church planter from heartache yeah so you'll you'll notice a theme with me is um you know the just the bad decisions made early on um you know or you know when you when you don't make good decisions about how to work with kind of difficult you know individuals in the church uh that might not fit necessarily with your vision. Uh, the, the next was kind of on a similar lines. In the early days of a church plant, you need help. I mean, as the church grows from your, your church planter has to handle everything, the admin and the, I mean, the setup and takedown process, the gathering of leaders, the multiplying of leaders, the use of leaders, um, the preaching schedule, the teaching schedule, every single solitary detail goes to your brain. So as soon as you can get help in, in you know, when you can bring in help and get them to begin kind of pitching in, man, it makes such a difference. And because of that, sometimes you rush the process. Um, you bring in people um, on staff that you, you just, you just desperately need and um, but, but maybe not being as discerning in the process. So, you know, my biggest thing would be in the, in the early days of the church plant, you need help. I get that, but make sure you're making good and wise decisions about who to bring in Um you know, work through the process. Somebody's willingness to do it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best fit for it. Really think through gifting. Um, I really encourage some personality type testing that will help you understand your gifts and finding people that are contrary to your particular set of gifts that can fill in the gaps that you would otherwise, um, you know, not be able, you know, that you, you typically struggle with or takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, uh, those are kind of things I would suggest early on and and be be careful how you hire within the church. And um, you, you sometimes you're going to do that for certain positions necessarily and, and others, especially at administrative type roles. Sometimes it's really good to, to look outside the church just to create some um, some objectivity and maybe some some necessary distance along the way. But just being real careful, uh, not making those bad staff decisions early on, whether it's ministry staff or just, you know, uh, administrative staff. All right. And here we are. Number one, the number one thing on our list of top four things to save you as a young church planter from heartache is Hunter. Yes, the necessity of spending. I actually don't think it's number one over the others. I think they're equal value. But yes, the necessity of spending. Church planning, you're definitely stepping out in faith. And you're stepping out in faith in terms of raising support. And I remember uh, my mentor in ministry just talking to me about the significance, importance of being a good steward of the church's money that people give their hard-earned money and that you have to guard it carefully and you have to make sure that you do all the right things and that every penny is accounted for. And, and all that is unbelievably true. But I think as a church plant, you have to spend to win. Uh, that's a terrible phrase. So I don't, I hope nobody ever uses that ever again. But what I'm trying to communicate is that 
you're, this is a kingdom venture and you've been entrusted with funds and you need to use those funds as you step out in faith to try to do things the right way to do things well so that when visitors and families and, and individuals and people come to your church plant, they see a spirit of excellence. They see that you care um, that this is not being done haphazardly, that little thought is being put into this, but you're striving for excellence, even though you're small, even though you're in the beginning, even though you're a seedling, if you will, but that you're showing them, come dream with us, come step out in faith with us. Um, let's do great things for the Lord. And I've learned in church planning that that involves um, stepping out and spending. And you don't want to go the cheap route because I think ultimately over time that it, it shows it, you want to be careful and you don't want to be too over the top, but you want to find that middle road where you're you're spending in order to do things right, in order to do things well. Yeah, this is one of the things, Hunter, you, uh, you definitely, um, as we work together at Madison Heights, uh, you, you taught me and, and, and one that I honestly, just two days ago, I was talking, you know, with our elders here about and, and, and they were in agreement. I wasn't just trying to sell them on it. They, they agreed as well, but they've, it's taken them a little while to get there, I think, in, in some ways on a couple of issues we've been thinking about lately. And, but along the way, we've tried to exercise a kind of a spirit of excellence in the way we do, do things. And, and it's, and I, we, you know, the way I've actually referred to it or talked about it with them is, is you never really get, a lot of times you don't get a second chance to make that first impression. Right. And, 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 and what we're doing is trying not to, to make any obstacle for, for the gospel. And I know monetary and, and uh, external things are not uh, what we would consider obstacles for the gospel necessarily. But all, I, all we're saying is when they come in the door, we don't anything distracting them or pulling them away from um, what we believe is going to be the ultimate selling point for them, which is the, the faithful pursuit of ministry, you know, in their mm -hmm. lives from the time they walk in the door to the time they leave. We believe our community is going to, to bring them in. We believe the, the word of God by the spirit of God, you know, read, prayed, preach song is going to change hearts. Yeah. Those are the things we think are priority. But, but if, if, if that obstacle has already been made before they ever walk through the door, if they get to the nursery and they don't feel safe about leaving their kid or mm -hmm. they walk through the door, they're not greeted and they kind of get pushed aside. Does that, does their, is their mind distracted from the time they walk through the door right. to the point that they're not actually able to see those things, which are vital about who we are. That might seem yeah. secondary, but man, it has made such a difference for us. And those are the things we have people come back and say, one of the biggest things actually will tell you that we've, I've heard folks come back and say to us is the early days when we started meeting as a core group and setting up and taking down uh, Cajun culture is real minimalistic in nature. And I kept pushing them. We're going to set all this stuff up and we're going to make it nice. We're going to make this building look like a sanctuary, even though it's not, you know, in the temporary facility we were using. And, uh, and, and they didn't for the longest time. They were frustrated about the work that had to be done. Look, let's just set up a podium up front and you go to work, you know? Yeah. But man, it made all the difference. And they came back later and just said, man, it made all the difference. It made a difference to me when I came sure. in. I yeah. felt the difference coming in, mm -hmm. they would say. Yeah, spending, but you have to make sure that it's in line with your vision and your mission, your core yeah. values. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a little bit extra for your bulletins and your lighting system and your sound system and, and even appearance. Um, you want you want to show 
that you care and that this is important to you. And, um, and that's not always, you know, that's not always easy. You'll have people, um, you know, in your leadership team, even sometimes your, your borrowed session, your temporary elders to say, Hey, let's start putting money in the reserve. Um, and, and, and that's, and that's good. You want to do that. Uh, but make sure that you're spending in the right places in order to communicate to your core group and to your visitors that we're, we're attempting to do something great for God here, even, even if it's on a small level. And that's just been my experience. And I'm very thankful that before I ever set out into the church planning world, that I spent some time in revitalization work and, and, and just observe that pastor saying over and over again to the elders and deacons, we have to spend a little bit of money. Um, we, we, in order to change things here. And, you know, we, as Josh, you said it, well, you, you only have one chance. You're, you're not a business that's trying to um, pay dividends to investors. You're, you're a church that's trying to exist for the glory of God and to expand the kingdom. And, you know, let's not create a, a big rainy day fund. Let's, let's do what we need to do in order to bring him all the glory. And, and that involves spending. And sometimes that's challenging, but I think it's true. This might actually extend this question just a little bit further than the other ones. And, and maybe we could do this real fast. Cause I, I think maybe it might help some of our listeners very practically speaking Hunter, if you just, if, and I got a couple and I could maybe thought of one or two myself, but if we were to say the same thing with these four things that we consider most important, if you were to think of four areas or things that you thought are, are really worthwhile areas to spend your money on, if we were just to rapid fire those things, what, you have a couple of things that come to your mind. I have a couple that come to mind that, that are probably important for you to kind of think about spending money or putting your money towards. You know, I was just thinking just two right off the bat is that kind of entry point into the church, right when they walk through the doors, what do they see? What's that first impression on Sunday morning? If they're coming to visit, what is it that they see when they walk through the doors? I think that's a big deal. Um, I think the other thing that was really important to us at Madison Heights that made a difference was the money you spend on fellowship gatherings, getting people together and investing in fellowship in the church. We did all kinds of crazy things at Madison Heights uh, for church picnics and things that gather people together. Um, spend some money on those things so they can really be good gathering times and fellowship building things. But what are some things that come to your mind? Yeah, children's ministry would be another. Um, I think that's critically important. I would say signage in the community. And mm -hmm. by signage, I mean actual physical signs that you put up on the road, banners that you put up. Um, I would I would even extend that perhaps to new mover mailers and maybe social media. One of the things you have to remember as a church plan is you don't have a you don't have a visible thumbprint in the community. You don't have your own building. And Josh, you'll remember that we were in a very strategic location. We put up banners, I believe, beginning on late on Friday night and took them down Sunday after worship. They were huge. They were in a main uh, thoroughfare in our community. And I still ran into people consistently that had no idea who we were or where we met. And even though they're driving by the sign on the weekends, and it was just a reminder to me that until you have your own building, you don't have presence. And so it's worth spending that money, uh, just spending that extra money to, to, to try to create some form of a thumbprint in your community, even though it won't be um, as visible until you have your own building one day, in my opinion. Yeah, that's great. All right. Thank you for joining the Five Points Church Planning episode. 
Last week, we got a question from a listener, and I was able to pass that on to, to Josh. It was specifically for him and pertaining to his situation. Listen, if you have any questions, we would love to try to help you, try to assist you, maybe point you to someone else who knows more than, than we know. Trust, trust us, we are not all-knowing on this subject. Um, we are um, in collaboration with so many people who know so much more about church planning than we do, and we just are here to try to help you and to try to help um, church plant. So if you have a question, reach out to reformplanting at gmail.com and we would love to be of any assistance that we can. Thanks for listening. I was like, ah!